As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey everybody, Max Boltman here alongside Corey Pronman for another episode of the Athletic Hockey Show Prospect Series. We are both back uh, in our respective homes now after a week at the Combine. A, a good week, I think, Corey, right? That was a productive week. Yeah, no, I enjoyed it. It was the first real NHL-wide event we've had in several years where the entire league was in one place. You had a couple of those, you know, over the last year or so that are, you know, big tournaments where it just so happens a lot of people show up. But this was the first time all the general managers, all the scouting directors, all the staffers, analytics people, etc. were all in one spot Um at the same time and you know that was just you know a great experience and, and happy to be able to do something like that again it was great and i think uh you know the only the only hiccup we really had was on that audio on the on the slavkovsky interview from last week which i know a few of you reached out to uh a few of your listeners reached out to mention we were aware of it my if it is my fault i will take the fall on that one but uh i thought it was good and and i thought you know go, going into the last day it was almost really um at that point Academic. I mean, we, we had done most of the work we were going to do, but a couple of little developments um, on that last day, mostly at the obviously you can put varying degrees of stock into the various combine apparatuses, but maybe the one that, that is the most uh, relevant is, is actually the weigh station at the very beginning, the weigh the way and measure station. Uh, Joachim Kemmel lost about an inch. Yeah, he, well, Central previously had him at five ten three quarters. He came in. Uh, at around, I think, 5.9 and three quarters, maybe 5.9 and a half, which got people buzzing a little bit. Now, I, it's relevant information. I would say as well that just a couple of things about that. One, just 
my personal opinion, it may not mean much to some people if you if you trust the measurement. It's like, you know, when I've personally watched Kamel, I do not he does not look five nine and a half to me when I've seen him live several times. He doesn't look large, but he doesn't look that small. And I'm sure someone will say, well, they, they put a tape measure next to his head. It's like, yeah, well, you know, I've seen this happen before where uh, they measure a guy. And I, I remember one prominent example is uh, Philip Hallander, who was a second round pick to uh, Penguins in, I think, 2017. And Central's measurement uh, leading into the combine, I think, was six foot two. And then at the combine, I think he was like measured at five ten or five foot eleven, which is obviously it doesn't that obviously doesn't make sense. Uh, so I think there can be a little bit of plus or minus human error on on both sides of those measurements. So maybe maybe split the difference. So that would be the first thing that that would come to mind about that. And like I said, I I don't think he actually looks that small. That said, it's extra information, and I definitely know talking to scouts around around the NHL, it got them buzzing a little bit for a guy that was at least come, coming into the combine a projected tip, top ten pick. He also, like I guess, regardless of what the actual number is, he doesn't really play small either. I know you're saying he doesn't look it, but he also doesn't play like he's he plays with some edge to him too. Yeah, he plays hard. He wins battles. He I mean he played he played versus men and showed no issues winning battles and 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 creating offense. Um, for what it's worth, when the Finland uh, U18 and U20 team has measured him, he came in at six foot oh. So take all that information how you will. <laughs> Bad day to slouch, basically. Is what well, you're well, I mean, there's a lot of jokes made about you know stuffing your shoes and stuff like that, and th- things people do. But uh, I, like I said, I just maybe take an average of all of, of all these various data points. <laughs> well, while all that was going on, uh, I know you have by now read this, but I was asking, I was on the other side from where you were, you were over with all the NHL personnel people, uh, and, and watching all this stuff go down. I was over on the other side of the Harbor Center where I was asking prospects about your scouting reports about them. I, I, you have read this by now, right? Yes. What was your, I mean, well, I guess we'll, we'll get to your review of their reviews in a minute, but, um, I, I thought it was actually pretty fun. I, I was skeptical of how it was going to go. Uh, unprompted going up to people and asking them, you know, can I read you a scouting report about yourself? I, I did have one player ask me, is it going to be bad? <laughs> uh, and I, you know, well, I was and, like, it's and, just going to be a would, report. The answer to that would probably range depending on the range of prospect, right? Right. I, I said there's a little bit of both. It's just someone's scouting report. And, and honestly, once I said that, they were like, yeah, like, okay, like, sure, let's do it. And I thought they were all really good sports about it. Um, any answers in there? So, so there was eleven prospects. Uh, any anyone in there that you thought was a particularly interesting response to your report? Uh, nothing that I thought was that interesting. Obviously, I saw that Langlois pu- push back pretty hard. Jeremy Langlois, the defenseman from Cape Breton, uh, I think it was about his skating and his defending. He didn't like the criticism. The criticism of, uh, uh, but no, like I said, I expected people to push back on on things. I thought it was funny when, I mean, everyone loved the answers from Jonathan Lekaramaki where he didn't push back whatsoever. I think he was just very honest about his, about his shortcomings, which I think I, I, you know, you could, I've seen people interpret that answer both ways. I was like, Oh, interesting. That's not good. Or, you know, I I appreciate the honesty. I appreciate that he's um, aware of what he is and not blind to the the issues in his game. So I thought all those answers were, were, were rather interesting. And I think the exercise was good. I think the NHL draft and the NHL in general can just be a little bit boring sometimes compared to the other sports in terms of the the kind of you know personalities you get in terms of the, the interaction between media and players. So I thought this was 
uh, you know, something you'd see a lot more in like basketball or football. And I, I, I thought it was a good article. To me, the two that stood out in my head were Frank Nazar and, and Brad Lambert. And uh, you have both ranked in a similar range. They're both first round picks for you. They're both, I think, top 20. They're both in your top 20, right? Yeah. Lambert's, a li- I think it's like 14 or 15 and Nazar is like closer to 20. Yeah. So obviously you, you like both players, but I read them both your reports and each kind of had one little thing they they really wanted to push back on with, with Nazar. It was actually your projection right? where you said a, a number three with a chance to be a number two. And he feels pretty strongly that, that he's a two with a chance to be a one. All right. Um, and, and then there was Lambert who, and this was the one I was looking forward to doing the whole day. Was he at the end of the, of the session? Was, the second to last one I did, he was right around, the event started at like 730. So, I think he was right around noon. So you were just chomping at the bit there then. Yeah, sort of. I mean, but I thought I wasn't going to get him because he held court. He held court for like 20 minutes. Of course, you know, he's a top, media. he's a top. Big yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just people who don't know. So like the, the combines where, you know, a lot of the media get to meet these players for the first time. They only can meet them on that one day of the combine, even though it's a week long event. Um, so when, when that happens, it's just, the, it's just like, the, it's like a Stanley Cup finals around these kids, essentially. Right. And, and, you know, there's a wall of cameras and like with, with Lambert, I knew with any of these kids, I wouldn't have really, there's a couple of kids who had smaller groupings and I was able to just do it there. But especially with Lambert, there was like, you know, several cameras and, and I was toward the back of the line. I would have literally been shouting your scouting report at him. <laughs> and that wouldn't have been quite as good as it might have been for like a Savoy who almost every line of that report was positive. Sure. <laughs> uh, you know, th- at the end of the Lambert report, you talk about him taking nights off and potentially frustrating coaches and that was not something I wanted to yell in front of 50 people and sure. you know whatever and so I I really waited it out and I thought I wasn't going to get him and yeah, and we th- we talked about whether we were even going to do that one or not right Cause, yeah because we thought I we didn't because I don't think you wanted to like we didn't want it to be mean exactly right yeah and it's a little mean I'm not gonna lie you know it's I, it's my opinion it's the opinion of people I talk to around the league but it's 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 okay directed right towards a player it could be a little harsh but that's why I thought it was maybe the most important one to do because right. it's kind of that you're giving the kid the opportunity to, to address this, right? Yes. And th- that's why I felt it was the one I was most excited for, most most <laughs> I felt most important. Sure. Because you're actually giving them a, it's it's not just hey this guy likes you, what do you think of that, you know? And Sure. No, no, like listen, I criticize him and it's I think perfectly fair to give him uh what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, a platform yeah. to respond to that criticism and what is probably a general falling in his draft ranking over the last six to nine months across the industry. A hundred percent. And so that's what it was. And, and to his credit, like not only was he willing to, to do it and, and respond, like he, to me, he pushed back. A that's little a, bit. He, he pushed back plenty. And he said, I don't think I take nights off. And you know, like I'm, I will be curious to see what NHL teams think of his responses in there. I, I haven't heard from anybody. I don't know if you have, but I, I, I would gather that, Frankly, a lot of the interviews I've, I've from teams I talked to, I think a lot of maybe it wasn't the, in the exact same phrasing, but I think there are a lot of similar things that would have been brought up. Yeah, and, and you know, so to me, that's also another reason that kind of justifies the exercise. To me, is this is what they've been doing all week, right? They've been talking about themselves, both as a person and a player, with teams, and so we're coming in at the end. They, they've already met with every team by the time they're talking to us, and. So I thought it was interesting, but those were the ones I was the most looking forward to. I, I, I liked the gumption from, from all the guys who, who were willing to push back a little bit and say, Hey, you know, even if maybe I get where they're coming from or, or I, whatever, like I think I'm better than that or I think that's not true about me. I, I respect that. Yeah. No, like I said, I think it was, 
it's a good exercise and it's not something you really get to hear a lot from these players in in this kind of process it's usually just you know people like me saying things their opinions quoting scouts etc but you never hear from the player's perspective of hey hey wait 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 hold on a second i i I don't like where this is going yeah right and the the guy that i actually was the most kind of he I, I just liked the whole interaction the best was, was Rieger Lorenz. And he like that one wasn't a totally glowing report. I think it was generally positive, but it wasn't like this guy's a superstar or anything like that. But he, he just really took it in stride and had fun with it. And that's something if I was an NHL team, that's the kind of guy that you want around, like a guy who can, who can roll with the punches and who can engage honestly with that stuff, but still keep it loose. I, I really liked that one with, with uh, Rieger Lorenz. Yeah. And I think like I said, you're probably looking – you know, Rieger Lorenz's draft season is so much different than Brad Lambert's, where yes. you know where we have the tumult, you know, a little tumultuous. He changes teams. Rieger Lorenz got kind of guy that stock went up throughout the year, then it kind of went down. So it's a uh, you know what hasn't been in the limelight for for years upon years. So very different probably perspectives going into the combine. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, while we were reporting it, we'll, we'll get to the next one in a second, but I, I was kind of filling you in bit by bit um, about little developments in this. And at one point we, we were standing with um, someone from a team that we know and telling them about it. And and they said that you're the harshest scouting grader that they know. Do you agree you, with you, that? You mean skating grader? Sorry, what did I say? I said scouting grader. Oh, which, yes. Which also might be true, but maybe also the yeah, right. Skating grader <laughs> that, that that they know. And I thought that was interesting. I actually put that in the story, but I we you and I never talked about that. Do you think you're a particularly harsh skating grader? I, um I wouldn't say that. I I don't I don't actually. I mean I think I gave out plenty of high skating grades, including to several of the players that you talked to, like Shavis Casey and and Brad Lambert and Matthew Savoy, among others. So I would I would disagree with that. Now uh, if some people disagree with some of the grades I put on the feet of, of various players. That's that's within their right. Um, I think uh, if you turn on a Stanley Cup playoff game over the, over the last couple of days and watch the Colorado Avalanche, watch the New York Rangers, Tampa Bay Lightning, Edmonton Oilers, and, and you see what like a middle of the lineup player looks like on those teams, um, the bar for what an average NHL skater is 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 quite high. Uh, you look at like I would call Ross Colton an average NHL skater. I would call call Jesse Puliyarvi an average NHL skater. Yeah, and then those are guys who have a lot of pace and can move. And I mean though, that you know Braden Schneider, Keandre Miller, Darnell Nurse. I mean that are all kind of like in that that same range of skating ability. And these are important players on NHL teams that went to the Final Four. So you know that that bar that bar is just what the bar is. So if uh, these guys might move well in junior, but we're talking about the National Hockey League, so that's that's the perspective that I use. And I would say talking to scouts around the league, I don't think my skating evaluations seem particularly harsh, but uh, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, including myself. All right, so producer Chris, if we could just transcribe that and drop it on to the end of the article, that'll be the uh, the addendum that, that we can that we can get <laughs> done here to the to the to the combine article. The other thing out of the combine I want to talk to you about, um, really good just piece I thought from our Montreal colleagues uh, that we had on the show a couple of weeks ago, Arpin Basu and uh, and Marc Antoine Godin, and they they kind of did a, I think it was kind of like a, what what we heard at the combine, what we learned at the combine. But touch on a lot of really good stuff. Montreal was real visible at that event the, the entire week that, you know, you, you saw them coming and going a lot. I think they were, you know, really obviously for good reason. They have so many picks in that draft, including number one. 
but they're the most one of the most interesting teams in this draft for for those reasons. And anything in in that article really stand out to you? Was it the kind of very much a real debate at number one? Anything else? I think that's kind of the takeaway is that I think not surprisingly, based on everything we've been talking about for months now on this podcast, things we've been writing about at the Athletic, is that there is there isn't a consensus one. There isn't a McDavid at one that or you know. Even like last year where kind of Owen Power kind of distinguished himself and said, I, I'm the guy after his world championships. You know, there isn't just an obvious pick to make here. And does it mean that there isn't a guy that maybe Montreal ends up being very passionate about and is very excited to pick number one? I'm sure whoever they pick number one, they'll be super excited about. But I think there's going to be a couple of names, you know, the names we've discussed you know, Logan Cooley from, from the program, Yuri Slavkovsky from TPS, and of course, Shane Wright from Kingston. That they're they're going to have to go through uh, you know a significant debate uh, over and and we'll see when they come to the end of their process uh, who they end up with. But from what uh, our colleagues have reported, it seems like you know that organization, not surprisingly, you know, sees you know reasonable alternatives to Shane Wright and are have to you know really have to hash it out. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, Corey. So coming out of the combine, you, you came out with a updated mock draft. I think this was mock draft 2.0 for you. Um, and there was actually a couple little nice moves in there and, and not enormous. I mean, I don't, Cutter Gauthier was already pretty high in your previous mock, but he's now at number five in this mock to Philly. Um, I thought that was a pretty interesting set of moves. How related was that to the comment that Gauthier made on our show last week about teams seeing him as a center, including next year. Yeah. And I don't think it's directly related, maybe more, maybe more indirectly related. I think you used the word information lag some t- uh, few episodes yep. ago. And I think that's just kind of what this is just talking to people at the combine and, and, and in the week leading up to the combine weeks since I did the last mock. Sorry. Um, I think there is a sentiment there that he could be a top five pick. It's not universal among team sources I talked to, but I would say it, there's enough, out there that that I don't think this opinion's out of left field in terms of where where the NHL is right now on Cutter Goche. Uh that, that there are people who see him as a center, someone who could be a top of the lineup center, uh, and giving just the toolkits, the six two, six two I think he mentioned a six two and a half at the combine. He can skate, he's got great skill, great an elite shot, um, can play at both ends. I mean there's there's a lot of, there's a lot there that's getting people excited. So I, I think what we thought of as before as a consensus top five, which was Shane Wright, Logan Cooley, Yuri Slavkovsky, Simon Nemish, David Yerichek, I would say, has expanded to a tier of six. 
Okay, well then in that case, for the average listener who maybe was a little surprised to see Gautier in the top 10 on Lottery Day a few weeks ago, who is now coming around, okay, now in, the, in that consensus top six, let me ask you this. Do you have a sense for a ceiling on Cutter Gautier's draft position? Like, is there a spot where you say, I think he could get up into three? Is it yeah. up to two? Yeah, I think I think uh, Arizona three is probably the highest I can see it go. And even then, I think might be a little high. I just think those three other forwards, which is Shane Wright, Uri Slavkovsky, Logan Cooley, uh, have somewhat separated themselves. But I don't think they've separated themselves to the degree where that's impossible. Where you know, if 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 you know, if Arizona concludes we want we want a big center, and and that's just like something we we covet. Uh, with one of our with you know with a lottery picks you know that's what we want to get because um, you know w- with a, say for example with someone like Logan Cooley even though he was the center in the NDP in fact he centered the line that Cutter yep. Goche was on the wing <laughs> on um, you know just we've we've talked about this before there's only so many centers in the NHL who yep. look like him uh, you know it's it's Jack Hughes it's Braden Point it's Vincent Trocheck and at least among the guys who play really high in the lineup. And are impactful players, so I could see a team talking themselves out of that as hey, I know maybe Logan is not a center. Of course, maybe Cutter Gauthier is in a center too. I think those are all uh, fun conversations to have in the lead up to the draft. You know what I was thinking with, with Gauthier the other day? I was trying to think like, okay, well, he's all of a sudden like a center in in, in the eyes of of this draft it seems and i was trying to think how does that work out historically are there other examples of guys who played some center and became full-time centers and i thought back to just 2018 or 2019 and trevor zegras was in a very similar situation he he filled in for turcott playing center but by the time i think the, it was the end of the year he was right back on jack hughes's wing Sure. Uh, for, for the national team. So th- there's a good precedent. He's, for me, a, a center in the NHL. There's a good precedent. The better ex- – that's a good example. Sorry to say better. That's okay. <laughs> uh, uh, and another example that I thought of is actually one that Cutter Goche brought up in our interview was Pierre-Luc Dubois in 2016 sure. who played wing most of that season in the QMJHL. And from the second he was drafted, Columbus said he's a center. And and the season afterwards in the Q, he played center – and that's basically what he's been as a pro ever since. That is better because it's more stylistically apt. So I'm not worried about that. How how far off do you think a Pierre-Luc Dubois can he be? It's, you know, I think a little bit different. I think Dubois was just, is just meaner. He plays yep. – I think Gautier competes hard. But, I mean, Dubois is like a really mean physical player to play against. Uh, but Gautier is a better skater. Dubois' skating has never been a selling point of his game. So – while I think there are some 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 minor stylistic differences between the two of them, I think as a pure projection, that's probably not far off. And he obviously went number three, so I think that's pretty relevant. Um, moving down your board a little bit, we get to a couple of teammates that I think are worth talking about. And the first name of the grouping is Kevin Korczynski in Seattle. So let's just start with the Seattle kids. They are now in the in the WHL final here. Um, Korczynski and Reed Schaefer, uh, who, who you have toward the back of the first round here. I think maybe the last pick of the first round here. Um, how has this run through the WHL playoffs affected not just maybe – the stock, but what teams are are seeing in these guys? It's it's a look at them against the best competition their league has to offer. Yeah. Oh yeah. And listen, they they knocked out Portland in seven, who are a regular team. I think when I think when they knocked out Kamloops, who looked just stacked and just so many good players. Logan Stankoven, one of the best pl- players in the CHL, 
they had really good goaltender there, Dylan Guerin, and you know some really good depth up and down the lineup. When when they beat them, I think that really opens some eyes. Like, oh hey, hey, this this Seattle team's for real. I think people knew they were for real. Like, I think that was always the kind of team they were. They had some injuries throughout the season, and it kind of held them back in the standings. Uh, but you know, really impressive playoff run. And yeah, just like the reports that keep coming back from people who go out to watch Kevin Korczynski that I'm talking to just continue to be positive after positive after positive. I still am at around 15 on my board, 15, 16, forgot the exact number. And, and I've gone back and kept reevaluating and I haven't, I'm not going to move off that one. I don't think. Um, but just, just, I think what I, I, I'm doing, I've been doing some surveys going into the draft of like, Hey, talking to scouts over the last few weeks of like, you know, who's a guy outside of the top 10 consensus names who can make their way in. And they would just keep coming back and saying, Korchinski, Korchinski, Korchinski. And I think we're at the point now where I, where he's just a consensus. Said, yeah. I, I, <laughs> and I have to go back and edit that article now because I think, I, I think that the, the point's kind of been made already and that, that I think he, he's gonna, he might, I have him at 10 in this mock draft to Anaheim, but I, I talked to people who think he could go higher than that. Wow. And you know, just because six two defenseman, the skating, he has legitimate offense. I think it's like a, over a point of game in the playoffs right now, and it's playing a lot of minutes. And uh, there's he's a young player too. I think he's like a junior July '04, so he's, you're hoping for some maybe there's some more projection there in that game too. So uh, the defense isn't inspiring, but I you know people kind of keep coming back to maybe he's next to Shayathid, or I think that's high personally, but but that's the. That's the, that's the that's the optimistic scenario, and then Reed Schaefer is playing a big role on this team too. I mean, Korczynski is the the big time player among the two, but he's on the top power play. He's scoring a point per game in this playoff run too. He's a big physical winger. He's got some offense. Skating's just okay, so that's why he's in a different range of the draft. Uh, but this is a guy that I think is going to be a um, a late day one and uh, you know, latest early day two type of pick. Let me walk you back to saying maybe even higher than 10 for Korchinski because I look at the teams that are in, especially once we get beyond that kind of top five-ish tier. Uh, okay, Columbus maybe, but they do have, you know, a, a pretty young left shot D number one. I, I, I know that, you know, you obviously need more beyond him. So that, that one I can maybe see. But Ottawa is a team that, you know, you'd think the left side is going to be hard to crack there for a really long time. Uh, Buffalo, same deal with with power and um and Darlene, like there's not that many more spots in the top 10, right? You're really talking about Detroit, Columbus, maybe Philly, right? At that point. Yeah. I mean, I just think it, you know, you don't get to that point in, in the, in the draft where, because you have too many good defensemen. No, uh, it's I, fair. I think the Buffalo one is interesting because they have, you know, they have power they so have Darlene young. and they have Samuelson, but I don't think Ottawa's or even Detroit's is that. Detroit's not crazy. Detroit. No. De- yeah. Yeah, yeah, even yeah. even Columbus, you know, you know Columbus, Ottawa. Like, I mean, their blue lines are not that. I know Shabbat's a great player, but I mean, there's those teams both need help. So I, I would not, I would not rule that one out. I just and, would think the right side, like you know, I, I, if if Juracek and Nemitz are both gone, then maybe. But like to me, it's just like if if you're on, if you're especially if you're talking about like a in Ottawa, I would think Juracek would be the one there, but he may, he obviously yeah, I think, there. I think he's probably their dream scenario. Either. I'm sure they would love to get either of those defensemen as a, as a dream scenario, but um, I've mentioned Jake Sanderson before, but you know, you can yeah push guys to their off wings and you know, I, I don't think that's the end of the world, um, but yeah, no, well, but, but we'll see. Yeah. All right. Uh, the other set of teammates that I want to talk to you about are obviously the Winnipeg kids. And there was a time where it wasn't crazy to think that they both could have gone 
maybe even top five in right. this draft, Savoy and Geeky. They're now both outside of your top ten. Yeah, and I kind of think like this is – they're like in a range there. I think they're kind of – you know, Savoy is at 11. I can see him go as high, maybe 8 or 9 or, or whatever or 10. I could see Geeky kind of go in that, in that range too. But just talking to people, you know, whether it was at the Combine or the weeks leading up to the Combine – I that's, that's, that seems to be the way the winds are blowing right now a little bit, where I think you're seeing Casper moving up. Obviously, Carter Goche has been moving up. Kevin Korczynski is moving up. And if guys have to move up, there's only so many spots in the top 10. So somebody's got to come outside the top 10. And I and that's just, you know, given that you know, Savoy slowed down a little bit in the second half, I don't think either of them really put up big numbers uh, in, the re- in that second half or in the playoffs. I think that's kind of where their, their pro- early teens would be maybe – Maybe as high as Buffalo's pick, but maybe a little bit lower than that. That's that's kind of where I think their their range is right now. You and I spent a little bit of time at at the combine talking about a, a guy in next year's draft in Zach Benson, and I, he's kind of already having an impact on this year's draft potentially when you get into that with Savoy because he kind of took Savoy's power play spot there toward, toward the end of the year, right? Right. Yeah, he was on the so Savoy was running the the, the right flank on the first power play unit. It was uh, recalling top of my head, I believe it was. Uh, Jack Finley at the net, Ben Zalotti, the the older player the, on the point, and then it was Connor McLennan who was just unsigned by by Philadelphia, and then you had uh, Owen Peterson, and then you had Car- they had Matthew Savoy on the right flank. They moved Savoy off the right flank to the second unit with Geeky and Lambos, and they put the 16 year old Zach Benson up there, and he just he and it wasn't just in the playoffs; it was kind of a thing that happened in the second half of the season there, and he just kind of took that that role and ran with it. He, I think even though they've been eliminated, I think Benson's still something like, as we record, like second, third, fourth in WHL scoring in the playoffs, something like that, which is for a 16-year-old is a little bonkers. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, and I think it wasn't just because Benson played so well. I think that, that those moves happen because there's there's momentum in two directions. Sure. Uh, but, but, yeah, that is, that's a part of the story for sure. I just, I guess I'm asking just because I, I wonder, like, is that the kind of thing that an NHL team is? But to your point, it's probably momentum in both directions. But I wondered if they'd be like, well, if, you know, if, if a guy who's going to be one of the better players in next year's draft was there, do you knock him too much because the production well, fell? I, I think you always put the team in context. You know, whenever yeah. there's been those loaded London Knights teams and Bo Horvath's on the second power play, he still goes on the top 10 because people understand those things. I, I think that's all part of the context. Nathan Gaucher is on the first power play in Quebec, but I understand that he's on a deep team. I think he's still going to be a first round pick for those reasons. Uh, you always put these things in the relative context, but I guess uh, when you're a, when you're, when Bo Horvat is a big, powerful center, when I, when your calling card is that you're a offensive winger, probably in the NHL, uh, you probably wouldn't like yeah. to, you, you, that's, that's a thing that's a, a, at, the, at the minimum, it's a minor flag. Yeah. No, you, you want that guy to, to be commanding of their power. I, I do get that. With, with Geeky, any other kind of final thoughts? You got him slotted 12 to, to Columbus, which, you know, certainly in, in Columbus's scenario here that, that you have laid out, they get Juracek yeah. and, and Geeky, you get the right shot D and, and the center and you're pretty happy. Yeah. And you know, I think that's, that'd be a great, that'd be a great outcome for them. And I think, you know, you know those those two kids were really interesting, those two being Savoy and, and Geeky because they've really gone wire to wire in terms of just being 50-50 options for teams. When I have to, when I have, some people some people have preference for Geeky, some people have preference for Savoy, and that at, yes, early in the season that was higher in the draft, 
and now it's a little bit lower, but it's still those two among people I talk to in the NHL are is razor tight. Let me ask you the same question for these two guys that I asked you for Gautier. What's the highest you could see Savoy and Geeky at this draft at this point? Um, I think I said, like I said, I think Buffalo and nine. Yeah, I, I'm, for either I, one of them. Yeah, unless you know you cover the you cover the Red I Wings. think Detroit at eight could ha- could be real. I do. Yeah, yeah, I so. think so. Yeah, I think that's possible. I think Ottawa at seven is. I think you probably want more there. Okay, all right, I like that. Uh, the other guy who I think has been a riser uh, out of the SHL is, is Leon Bischel, and there's a couple of these. We'll, we'll talk about two SHL guys here in this draft. You've got Bischel now up to thirteen for the Islanders. Um, had a chance to kind of lurk at his scrum. I asked him a couple of questions at his scrum at, at the combine day. Um, big kid, impressive kid. Um, but w- when you see the tape, I, I watched some, some shifts yesterday prepping for, for this show. Uh, man, the physicality really does uh, jump off the screen at you. You're right. And just to correct what I was saying before, I could see even Savoy up, Savoy maybe up to seven. I think that might be a little okay. bit harsh. I think, but because there's that tier of six we've talked yeah. about before and then. Maybe I yeah, maybe I don't want to be too harsh to the Savoy. Uh, but yeah, in terms of Bischel, yeah, I mean, just I it's kind of evident to see why there's some teams liked him. I heard he interviewed very well at the combine too, and uh, I wasn't part of that scrum, so I didn't get to talk to him. But uh, like I said, I've, I've heard he interviews well. Uh, com- he's a confident kid, and yeah, just the physical tools, just it's it's not hard to spot on the ice. He's six foot five. He can skate. Uh, he's uh, you know, he plays really hard. He's a very physically imposing defenseman uh, to play against. He can close and, and kill a lot of plays with with his with his gaps. And you know, the only question on him is how much offense he has. And that's a, a question I've struggled with uh, over the last two years watching him. I still don't think it's all that great, but I think there's just enough there that he could play a tough four role and do all those great defending things I just mentioned uh, while being good enough with the puck that if you put him with somebody who has those skills, that that could be a very uh, good uh, top two pair in the NHL. I don't know a ton about the Swiss Junior League, but he, he was productive there last year. And then I, I, when he did, it wasn't many games, 11 games in, in the J20 in Sweden this year. Reasonably productive there still. For, for yeah, he, he had like seven or what, seven or eight points in nine, nine or 10 games, something like that. Seven and 11, yeah, which is yeah. not crazy, but it's three goals. I right, mean, right. But you don't need him to be crazy. You, I right. mean, yeah, yeah you, if, you, if he was, then, you know, we'd be talking about yes. a, little, a little bit higher in <laughs> the draft. Top five, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... You don't need him to do that. All you need is if, if he can make the occasional skill play, the, the, the good outlet passes, you know. Finish don't, don't, shots, yeah, yeah. Yeah, don't screw up at the offensive blue line. If he, if he does just those things well with the size and the feet and the compete, he's going to be a really good NHL defenseman. How about uh, Bystet, who, who's the centerman uh, out of Linköping, Philip Bystet? You've got him in the 20s here. Um, but a player that you said you've been hearing a lot about kind of in, in this run up lately. Yep. I've been talked to some teams I've, I've talked to. I think there's, there's quite a, f- not, I wouldn't say it's a consensus opinion, but there's enough that I've heard that think this guy could be a late one that I saw kind of put him into that, into that range. And the reason why he could be a late one is just six foot three centers who can skate are, are not easy to find. And, and there is some offense there. 
I wouldn't say it's fantastic offense, but you know, you saw with Sweden's U18 team, he's running the flank on the power play units. Uh, you can shoot the puck. There's there's some plays he makes here and there. Uh, you know, is he going to be a big time offensive producer? Probably not. But but yeah, man, with like, those athletic tools, just kind of they they, they kind of scream at you when, when when you watch him. And another one who's you know in, when he was with the J20s, his production's not that far outside of kind of the, the your garden kids. Yep. No, and just the, again, he's he's not, and I don't like those guys. He's much bigger and 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 has like real you know eye catching speed for a big guy. You would like to see the compete be a little bit more consistent, but uh, just that there's a lot there to work with for for a pro projection. So you've got him going right behind Nathan Gauthier. I, I how do you kind of split hairs there between two guys who Gauthier maybe more is kind of the um, the shutdown you know, grindy center type, I guess. But how do you split hairs there for who's going to go first? I think you kind of, yeah, I mean, there's they're, they're probably close. You know, Gaucher, you kind of know what you're getting. He's big, he's competitive, he can make some plays, he kills penalties. Uh, I think you know you're getting an NHL player. I think you, I think he's going to be a third-line center in the NHL. Uh, Bystet, you know, he doesn't kill penalties. He's not super hard to play against. And while there's offense, it's not, high end offense. So I still think there's a bit of a question of okay, what's his role exactly on NHL team? Has he you know clearly um identified exactly what he's going to do in the NHL for you or is it more what I think is there's a lot to work with there, but I'm not going to sit here yet and tell you he's for sure a top 9 4 in the NHL cuz I want to see the offense a little bit more consistently, or I want to see off the puck dimensions that make you think, okay, he can he can do these things for an NHL team. That's what I think the separation is there. You know, as I fact check myself really quick, making sure I wasn't too far off when I talked about him and the the Yurgen kids. He is pretty close to Noah Oslin, but holy smokes, was Liam Ogren's production on a yes. per game basis insane this year? Yes, we talked about it on the I think on the previous episode, and yeah, uh, I had just forgotten it. Yeah, no, I mean he's. He he lit up that league like Ramak. He did very well in that league, but uh, he outproduced Ogren when he went to the SHL. Um, I think that reason was for the skating differential that Liam Ogren disputed. Um, but <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, no. I mean his his numbers were outstanding, and I think even though I think when we want you watch him, um, maybe it's not the most overly flashy game in terms of speed and skill you'll ever see, but. It, it it works. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. 
The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. All right, Corey, let's wrap up today then with the article that you published on Wednesday. And I think this is an interesting one because this one, it it is a ranking, but it's just based on nothing but upside, right? It's basically just your, if I knew nothing else about these players, but went and watched their tools, is that a fair description? Right. So it wasn't my first attempt to write this type of article. So uh, we kind of debated the best ways to kind of describe it. And, And this is, I think, the clearest way I can say this. Is you know it was a it was a draft ranking based purely on who has the highest upside. What do I mean by who has the highest upside? How do you define that? And it's just based on a player's traits. It's just by watching the players, uh, grading out the tools and saying, okay, here are the grades on the tools. Who's the best? And I'm sure some people might listen to that and say, wait, I thought you is that what you always <laughs> do? And that's somewhat true, but and and this might freak out some people. I also look at their numbers and I see how they perform at various events. Are they consistent? Um, do they do they score? And uh, that's important because I my eyes are not perfect. They're far from it actually, and I think those those performances can capture things uh, that I'm missing from my own just. Uh, personal evaluation of the attributes. So you balance all that information and then you come to what the actual draft rankings are. In this one, we don't do that second part. I just watch the players, I grade the attributes, and I say, this is the order I would have them in. Okay, so almost always, whenever we talk about one of your lists, I start at the top and then go downward from there to think about what I want to I think that's how 99% of people read it too. No, 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 no. I'm talking about when I talk to you about them. Like I never jump down and pick from the middle. I get sure. it. That, that is funny. Uh, <laughs> but I was shocked at how low relative to your actual list you had Brad Lambert on this at number 25, given that usually the conversation around Lambert is always about, but the talent is so real that if, if the other stuff works out, he's going to be a star. That's a good point. Now, that's where the distinction comes in, and and I I don't try to wait into the comments, but I actually did mention this in the comments of that article. Is what do we mean by tools? Because if you just said, "Well, I just mean skating size and skill," right. then he would be in a different spot on this list. But that is not what I mean, because I consider compete level not just a tool, but an important tool when I'm doing this exercise and he grades low in that area, despite what he disputed as we talked about earlier in this podcast. So in that context, he grades lower. 
And the reason why he's higher on my actual list is because he has such a rich track record where he went to the World Juniors last two seasons ago. It was excellent. He had he was excellent versus men. He's played up at his age level for several years at the, you know, whether it's the U20 or the U18 level, and had moderate to good success at various times. And, and combined with the skating and the skill and the size, all that put together makes me slot him as a top 15 player. But if I if you just watched 10 random games of Brad Lambert this season and didn't know anything about what happened beforehand, I'd probably have him slotted in the 20s. All right. I think that's really good perspective. That's why I wanted to start there. Now we'll go to the top. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and in, in the top, I mean, the, I, I would love to know how you tier these guys actually because the order is one Logan Cooley, two Uri Slavkovsky, three Cutter Gauthier, four Shane Wright. Um, that is obviously a similar grouping to what you have on your actual list in the top. I think six is still where Gautier was on your list. Yes. Um, but the order has changed and I'd be curious if the tiering changes. Uh, I would probably put, uh, the, the first three into a grouping and then I would yep. have Wright and Miroslachenko kind of in a grouping by them, by themselves. At least I would need to go back and like think about that a little bit more. I didn't really I, – I debated doing tiers for this, but I thought that would be a little bit uh, uh, too extra. Yeah, for, overkill, for, for sure. Such a, for yeah. such a theoretical exercise. Uh, but just off the top of my head, that's how I would yeah. do it. <laughs> well, it's interesting because we had a conversation at a bar uh, the night before we kind of – well, you had already gotten going. I, it was my first night in, in Buffalo. We had a conversation with a colleague at a bar about – basically this very topic like who i think the the question was i wasn't there when they asked the question but i was part of the conversation i think i was grabbing around for us uh was uh, i'm sure this is a, this was a very coherent conversation you were there i know yeah oh yeah oh yeah oh if, like if we could play it back how how coherent would it be i don't yeah, know about yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but the question right was like who in this draft has the potential to be like the macar and i don't think they meant it just as a defenseman right just you know because i think not just my opinion, but it is my opinion too. And just most people talk to around the league is, uh, you know, if you have to make a bet right now on who's going to be the best player in this draft. Yeah. And I said, you can take whoever is number one on your personal list, whether it's right, whether it's Lefkowski, whether it's somebody else, or you could take the field. I think almost everybody at this stage is taking the field, not yeah. because they don't love Shane Wright, but because he has not given them such overwhelming confidence that he would be the best guy 10 years from now. So thus, it reminds them of the 2017 draft. So that's why we're asking who could go at 3 or 4 or 8 or 12 and potentially rise in 10 years to be the best guy. Well, and I, I think that you're right at number one with Logan Cooley on this on this one because to me – it was almost like for for me personally watching the season play, I was, I just was kind of waiting for Logan Cooley to take number one away. Right, like I I really like Shane Wright. I like both players. I I do put kind of a premium on the center position, but um, I kept waiting because because he's electric. Every time you watch him, he's he's not quite to like the McDavid McCarr hold your breath every time he's on the ice because he might do something. But when he has the puck, like he looks really special to me. And you just kept waiting for the production to match it like it did with like a Jack Hughes. And it never got there. And so it never, to me, became kind of that number one. I think our friend Chris Peters, though, does have Cooley at number one, right? He does, yes. And so like to me, this is a perfect way to differentiate it because it, it he does have that wow factor that to me, maybe only Slavkovsky could really match in this draft. Right. But 
at least, you know, the reason why Slavkovsky is over him on my actual list is even though I think on pure, pure tools, they're close. And even though, Slav, even though Slavkovsky's production this season wasn't perfect, there's a couple of moments, the Holinka, the, yeah. the, you know, the World Championships, the, the Olympics, where the things he accomplished rise to exceptional level. Yeah. Uh, that Cooley just couldn't match. He had 10 points at the U18s this year. That is nothing special by, by any means. Shane Wright had almost as many goals in last year's U18s as Cooley had points this year. That's fair, but wouldn't you say there were still moments? Because there yes. was like moments where he was like stick handling in a phone booth at 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 UAT. Oh, there's no again. There's no question. He's dynamic, and he looked yeah. really good. And even though they lost because Hugo Havlid had the day, had the day of his life, uh, you know they were the clear best team in the tournament, and he was their best player. So there's no disputing he had a great tournament, but. The question isn't, did he have a great tournament? The question is, did he have a tournament worthy of being the no. first overall pick? No, and he didn't. But but it's just like that. It, it's it's why I like this differentiation because it, it really gets at what I just – I almost wanted to, to say he was my top guy, but it just never quite took it. And this is a good way to, to illustrate it. So I really like that. We can move down the list now and, and stop dwelling here. Um, I'm trying to look for people. B- Bischel's another guy. Like he's in the top 10 of, of this list. Obviously a little outside it on, on yours. Uh, Savoy, similar ballpark, I think, on both of us. I think he's right. 10 on this one. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, those top 10-ish guys are all like similar names, maybe in different orders. But, but and you know, you can quibble on whatever, whether you think you know, Savoy should be higher, whether you think Wright should be higher, you know, whatever. But I think those are all the similar names. I think the list gets interesting as you kind of go down. Well, and and really at 11, like Yanni Neiman is the first one that I'm like, okay, now we're in business here because he's in the 30s for for your real list. Right. And that's just because, you know, not a great skater, not, you know, average compete. um, And, you know, and, you know, this season when I watched him, there were moments where he was, I thought he was really good. And you're like, oh, okay, there's a, there's a toolkit at work at six two, and he's got really good skill and hockey sense, and you can shoot it. And you know, he was productive this season versus men. It was in this, the second tier, not the Liga, and it wasn't a great second tier team he was playing on as well. But still quite productive versus men. So yeah, there's just you know there was U18 games. Even he played for the U20 team for a couple of games in there in August, where you were like really impressed and saw things to work with. But there's were moments when he played internationally or with his club team where you just weren't as blown away. But man, is there's some talent there, and he's a really young 0-4-2, so it's possible he could show up to camp next season in the league and just and, and just kind of pop off. Uh, not unlike maybe like how like Roby Arventi did when when Ottawa took him and he goes to Ilvis right after and he's and he was really productive. So I can see I can see a lot of similarities between those two players. So at at number twelve, you've got a guy from the sixties on on your on your board, and that's yeah. Kirill Dolzenkov. Am I saying that right? Yeah, that's right. And you know, I mean, he was a fun player to watch this season when I watched his MHL tapes. He's whatever he's like six five, six foot six forward. Maybe one of those. Maybe is even too big to be to play forward in the NHL. But like, man, like again, huge, powerful, great hands. Uh, was a big part of a top MHL team that season. The skating is really rough. Didn't didn't put up big numbers in Russia. Didn't get to play international hockey for various reasons. I kind of he kind of progressed late, and then obviously the you know when the invasion of Ukraine happened, they weren't you know weren't invited. If he had gone to an to a U eighteen Worlds, are things different? Never know. But as of now, I don't have that information, so that's kind of why he wasn't on the actual list. But 
but yeah, like I said, when I watched them this season, the, the tools, the, the, the tools scream at you. So we talk about this a lot. There's not that many comps at either end of the, the height uh, spectrum. And he's obviously at, at the very far uh, tall end of that at six, six, but like where on like a Elmer Soderblom, Tage Thompson continuum is. He? I think there is some Soderblom comparisons there. I think there's a, there's a lot you can, you can make comparison there. Soderblom, I think has followed his best case scenario. He's not an NHL player, but he looks like he's going to be an NHL player. But I think at the same age, you could really you can you could connect those dots. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyone else that you really are, are dying to talk about in this grouping? I mean, a, a lot of similar names, maybe up or down a little bit. Uh, Daniel Zilkin, Philip Bystet are, are in there. Cam Lund would be a good one because this is a guy that you and I have had some conversations about, and he's in the top twenty here on the upside list. Yeah, I think all three of them kind of feel like a similar type of vein. They're good size, pl- good size forwards. All six one six. I think Zilkin six one, Lund six two, Bystet six three. I'll skate well. I'll provide varying levels of offense. I would say Jilkin and Lund's pure skill levels pop a little bit more. The Lund's compete is a little bit more, you know, not not inconsistent and wise a bit lower than those two. But all their competes, I wouldn't say, are are really selling points. Um, but all three of them just you know, it, they're easy to see on the ice and easy to imagine in the NHL. Just with the, with the attributes they have, the offense, the offensive touch that is, the skating, uh, the goal scoring abilities. Just you would like to see it all come together a little a little bit more, but uh, there's a lot there's a lot to work with there with with all those players. I, even when you get down to the bottom, you're looking at like Daniil Ivanov or, or Viktor Nuchev. If I'm saying that right, yeah. the uh, I think it, it's interesting that there are so many Russians, and I wonder how much of that is because of the the, the lack of parity, I guess, in the Russian Junior League. Does it make it tough to like get that extra contextual information that you really want? Yeah, I mean. No- Noichev and Ivanov are, are late threes. Um, if Russia had, so usually they wouldn't have been part of the World Junior Team, but typically in the second half of the season, uh, Russia would play international U twenty tournaments in in April. Um, and you, if and, you know, that's like where a guy like a Dmitry Voronkov popped off there, for example, uh, who is now one of Columbus's top prospects. And you kind of can capture some like late risers in that sense. There, Ivanov kind of rose late, and Noichev has kind of rose as the season went on. Uh, and if they if they would have performed there, you could have maybe said, "Oh, okay, you know, I I see, I see a path for you now," kind of thing to to being a, a higher pick. And I think Noichev is still someone who's thought up really well around the league as a potential top two round pick. Uh, but yeah, the I think the lack of international hockey is going to be a big issue for, for these Russian players, not just for this season but next season too. Uh, my understanding from seeing the international calendar um, for next season is there's going to be no Russian. Uh, at any international event, not even like those November, February tournaments or anything like that. So I think you're going to be doing a lot of watching MHL tape, uh, not just for me, but for teams as well uh, going forward. Did you plug this into like a spreadsheet or anything and see like who who boosted the most on your actual board from their non-upside factors? I, I did not. Um, however, if people are really bored, they, they, are, they are free to do <laughs> that. And I will gladly promote it <laughs> yeah if, if anyone wants to run that uh maybe we'll talk about it on, on next week's show but that's gonna do it for this week uh thanks for listening and you can subscribe to the athletic on uh, audio plus on apple podcast to get all the bonus content from our entire network starts you with a 30-day free trial and then just 99 cents a month after that and right now you can subscribe to the athletic for a dollar a month for six months when you visit the athletic.com slash hockey show do that Corey's got a ton of good content coming for you to read on the draft 
And we've got obviously great stuff from our entire network, especially the NHL network at this time of year. So we hope you'll do that. Talk to you soon.